0: We're speaking today with Richard Marsh of Property Vision, a firm that for almost 30 years has specialized in providing buying advice for property searches in London and the country. Richard, for our listeners, many of whom have successfully bought and sold properties in such fiercely competitive markets as New York City or Orange County, California, what are some of the key characteristics of the London and country markets.
1: Good morning, Kate. Um, thank you very much. I think, the uh, to start with London, London is a uh, very diverse and fragmented market. Um, as I'm sure your listeners would have heard, there are um, hundreds of different selling agents. In the UK, we have uh, a system that is uh, uh, mainly dominated by the selling agents. And the buying agents is a relatively recent um, um, trend in the market whereby, like in America, there are um, buyers brokers and selling brokers. We are now in a a situation whereby we have almost as many buying agents as selling agents. We have um, in London, I think there are um, certainly over 300 selling agents um, currently uh, listed And each of them has multiple listings of multiple properties, and some of them. uh, Obviously, there are different things like multiple agencies, sub-agencies, and everything else. So it is it is a very fragmented marketplace. The other thing I think to appreciate about London is that um, there are very lots of different micro-markets within that market through the different areas. We also have. when you go into, say, to give Knightsbridge as an example, you can go into um, a flat on the first floor in Knightsbridge, which could be worth five thousand pounds a square foot, and you can walk around the corner, um, maybe two buildings away, and you can walk into a flat that could be worth eighteen hundred pounds a square foot. So there is a, a real spread of values, and it's uh, very difficult to sort of try and nail down whether you can. Um, really bunch everything in together and try and price everything on a price per square foot or do we look at things on an absolute in absolute terms. Um, so it is really um, a, a very complicated market to get into. In terms of the country market, um, that is a market that is, um, there are two areas that we cover for example which is um, you have the home counties which is really the areas that are commutable to London and they are um, have different drivers to those further out, which is probably beyond an hour and a half from London, which is true countryside, um, I think we would say, which is more of a rural market. Those markets are um, normally based around schooling. And people obviously are um, looking to get their children into schools, maybe sort of boarding schools or thing in um, in those places. <coughs> and starting with the home counties i think those are really the areas i would say just outside the m25 and those are the likes of in surrey um east berkshire buckinghamshire um, maybe a little bit round to hertfordshire and then um, possibly down into parts of um, hampshire and sussex further out you're talking gloucestershire wiltshire oxfordshire um, again, those are going to be probably located in sort of um, near to the sort of key towns where there are good schools. Um, and, you know, Oxford is a prime example where in central North Oxford, we've has suddenly had a in the last two to th- five years, we've had a, a, a marked growth in, in that uh, um, interest from especially from international buyers who are trying to get their children into schools, uh, prep schools and some of the schools around the Oxfordshire area. So, I hope that's uh, given that's you some clarity on that.
0: It does. Um, Richard, I want to ask you um, what a sophisticated American mm. buyer coming into either the London or the country market should be most mindful of when beginning their search.
1: I think the key thing is to, um, there is a lot of information out there. There are many. Um, as I said before, there are many agents, um, selling agents, um, there are many websites, there are many sort of uh, search engines and everything else. Um, the key is to understand what is good information and what is bad information. Um, there are um, the agents' job, they are selling agents, and their job is obviously to, to try and get you through the door and to uh, um, whatever it takes to get you through the door so that they can uh, show you the property. Our job is to really try and uh, sift through um, that information and try and focus on what is good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and then we would then take our clients to the things that we think match their requirements best. I think for the American buyer coming into this market, I think the key thing is to understand that that um, you are, um, if you like, Diving into a market that is um, dominated by the selling side, by the selling agent, so the information is therefore skewed to the to the seller,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think um, unlike I think where there is probably more parity in uh, North America, it is very much um, a one way street on this side of the Atlantic. So I think if that's a, if I've made that clear, I don't know if I've. That's that's, a, it,
0: that's an interesting point. Tell me a bit more about that. So I
1: think. Um, it, it, you know, here, I think there is less transparency. Um, traditionally, I think uh, the, uh, it is an unregulated market, um, the property world, um, and it is also there are some complex issues. Particularly, for example, in London, we have uh, leasehold properties and freehold properties. So there are some issues there for, to overcome and understand. Neither of which is is particularly frightening, but it's obviously it's obviously good to understand what where you stand with that um in the countryside um um, as well as in london there are issues with planning what you can and can't do in terms of what you can build and what you can't build um there are also you know lots of issues for example um you know there are sort of um interesting um legal points you know to do with rights of way for example in the countryside you know with um to do with footpaths, or, or for example, going past your front door, none of which necessarily the, the selling agent would be obliged to tell you about. Mm-hmm. So it's up to you to find those things out before you buy them. Um, our job is to to try and create transparency and to try and tell our clients exactly what is what they have before them, and so that they are in full have full knowledge of what they're trying to buy before they buy it. Um, so we're continually reporting on clients and we to clients about know um, the bad things as well as the good things about a property and our job is to try and you know um, give our clients as much information before we start but trying to bid on a property rather than afterwards where we've already got involved with lawyers and um, starting to to really log up fees and things like that so I think in London uh, to come back to London I think It's also a competitive market. Um, There are, in the prime areas, we are frequently, even now, um, I think the sort of outside view of the market would be that the market has softened, and I think if we look in central London, the prime areas, um, I think you will find that uh, the prime areas, particularly London itself, it is a very competitive, and it is still a rising market. In the countryside, it has been um, over the last five years. The market has fallen, um, but as ever, um, the very good properties still trade at a premium over their peers. So, um, you know, in the countryside, you're tending to look at look at really sort of the best properties tend to come on the market every ten to fifteen to twenty years, okay. because people stay in them longer. So when they do come to the market, it's a um, Really, we need to be first in the queue to get into them and to, to buy them. Whereas in, in London, I think it is, um, there is much more turnover of property on a regular basis. But the, in both those markets, supply is ever, you know, is ever a problem for us. And I think supply has been dropping year on year for the last 10 years. Um, so the supply of property that is available at any one time for sale.
0: Good. That's that's really helpful, and it it leads us nicely in uh, to my question. Um, you know, with estate agents on every corner and databases on my smartphone, um, you know, take me through the case for using a buying agent.
1: Um, no problem at all. I think the, the tangible benefit why most people would use a company like ours is that they are um, they want us to do, if you like is the finding process so that they are wanting to get into property um, that isn't available on the open market um, and wanting to get into property sooner than um, anybody else or ahead of the rest of the market and just clarify what I mean by that we um, Because we don't sell anything, um, and we're obviously taking our fee from the buyer, we're no threat to the selling agents. So therefore, they find it um, easy, and they to to give us the information that we need, and hopefully give us ahead of ahead of the rest of the market. So we have access to, if you like, um, off-market information, even though it's through some of the selling agents. We also have access to um, um, private market information. So we have people coming to us before they put it on with a selling agent offering saying that we're about to sell a property do you have a client for it um, quite often we don't have a client for it at that time but it does mean that we have information that is readily available to we also get have good relationships with developers with other sort of professional bodies sort of uh, lawyers through accountants through sort of private wealth teams like Tanager or they have clients who may be wanting to sell a you know sell in the future. And we're obviously getting uh, uh, early information, but the stuff that is on the open market, our job in that instance is to is really to um, filter the information to, to really bring it down to a manageable um, um, sort of database for our clients to to understand. You know, we start with you know when a client comes to us, we could often start looking at sort of thousands of properties, and we're narrowing it down to maybe the top ten that suit their brief. So that they're straight away, they're they're only focusing on, on the best of the best within their budget and price range and the in their requirements. Um, the other thing is also um, is just market knowledge in terms of, um, particularly in our countryside. Um, our executives out there, they live and work in the areas that they're that they're covering, which I think for so they have sort of in depth market knowledge and in depth of not only just. The, you know the, the property market, but also all the things that that you know your clients will want to understand in terms of living there. So, what are the schools? Um, you know, where can you find your nearest pint of milk? Um, you know, the day-to-day living really is just you know how, how does it work and and you know really help an understanding on on how they would actually you know exist on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I think. The tangible added benefit, as I say, is why people come to us is, is for the finding process. I think the next stage we would say is that is the more important part, and that is the, the due diligence process. So once a client has found a property, or we've found a property, the client says that you know that's something that they are interested in buying. Our job is then to um, go into a full due diligence process. Now we produce a, a written report. Now our report sits alongside the lawyers report the lawyer is reporting on the the title of the property and mm-hmm. uh, the legal title of property you also would employ a surveyor who is a building surveyor who would employ, look at the structural integrity of the building and our job is to to really bring those two things together to advise and to interpret them if necessary and also to look at um, really in a more holistic approach at looking at everything on a 360 degree View. So we're Can looking you at things. give
0: me an example
1: of So, for example, in central London, um, we would be telling clients whether there was a tube line running underneath the property or in the vicinity of property. In the countryside, and I mentioned it before, we would be talk, looking to see if there are any footpaths or whether there were any plans from a local farmer to be building a, a pig farm, you know, in you know down the road. Um, there is an interesting thing in the country called the 28-day rule, whereby. Farmers and landowners um, don't need to apply for planning permission if they're carrying out events such as clay pigeon shooting or they may be doing, um, have an off-road motorbiking track or something on their land for one day a month. So that's the 28-day rule and they don't need any consents or permissions or anything to do that. So again, it's down to local knowledge to understand whether that's happening or not or, you know, you know that's happening. So because what you don't want to understand, have is a sort of, you know, a scram you know, motocross motor track at the bottom of your garden when you buy in a nice quiet rural spot. Similarly, in, in London, you know, we're looking at um, the planning consents um, for not only the property you're buying, but also the, the, the neighbours either side and, and in front and behind. And not only are we trying to sort of understand whether the property has been built in accordance with all, all the regulations with the local authority, etc., we're also trying to understand is whether you're going to be living next to a building site for the next two years, or anywhere in the vicinity. Because let's say you were buying an investment property, you obviously that would obviously have a direct impact on your investment if you're trying to rent it out and tenants didn't want to be there. So apart from anything else, it's just your enjoyment of the property. So, so. That holistic approach, I think, is key to us. And what we're trying to do is create transparency for the clients. Lastly, I think once we've done that, we've reported the clients, and we have um, put in writing our own opinion. It's you know we're we are trying to also understand what the property is worth, and that is not what the, necessarily what the selling agent is asking or what the vendor is asking as a marketing price. Um, we're advising on what we believe it is worth based on our findings and also based on what we know is the comparable evidence of properties that have sold in the vicinity or that we can compare so we're trying to compare apples with apples and if necessary apples with pears and I use that analogy in that there are many different varieties you know that you can um, particularly in somewhere like London in the country it's very difficult to try and compare like with like because they're all so different so again that comes down to instinct experience it's not all about price per square foot, it's to do with lots of other sort of intangible things, and I think um, our teams are very good at that. So we then report on what we think it's worth, and then we then advise on the strategy as to how to buy the property. And again, we may say to the client, This is they're asking too much, we're too far away from what we believe it's worth, and what the the selling agent and the vendor believes that they can sell it for so maybe we move on and we start looking at something else and we keep an eye on that. Alternatively we may say actually we think they've undervalued it in which case then we'll be saying actually here's why we think you ought to get on either way we are very um, confident in the advice that we're going to be giving will be the strategy that that will hopefully buy it on the best possible terms our job is to try and secure the property um, and whilst we want to try and buy it as cheaply as possible for our clients, so we know we're also very aware that we need to secure it because a client has normally made an emotional commitment to it. Once they've said, um, given us the go-ahead to try and buy it, they, they obviously want to try and secure it. So we have to try and not to over-advise on the basis that um, um, that can also get in the way of actually transacting the deal. So we negotiate for our clients Um, we believe we have um, some very good leverage in the market um, in that because we don't sell anything um, we um, are often asked by old clients um, if we can place property back into the market and we do that by placing it back to the selling agents Um, but we don't want anything back in terms of uh, remuneration from the selling agents and we don't take any remuneration from any third party but what we do want in the future, is we want prior information from the selling agents. We want preferential treatment. We want to be the preferred buyer at all times. Um, So we hope that that leverage will obviously um, um, be to the advantage of our clients and that we can actually um, um, secure properties um, really against the run of the market on the basis of of our um, ability to perform and and our track record to perform in these markets so and then really finally once we've secured the property um we then you know can help and advise our clients with sort of third-party you know suppliers so they may be looking for an architect we can introduce them to architects to interior designers to they may be needing um help with finance and we you know we have best of breed from everything from mortgage brokers to to our, our relationships in the banking world to wherever it may be we can we can bring in the relevant advisors to suit the, the client and our, our job is really to, to sort of try and uh, manage that whole process from from A to Z um, we see ourselves as really as a, it's a service business rather than a property business and it's um, it's based on really on a very bespoke service we're only operating for no more than five or ten clients each at a time so we never act for a client um, two clients with a conflicting brief, um, on the basis that if we do so, then we'll, we will become no exactly the same as the selling agents. We can't take two people into the same property wanting the same thing. So sometimes we have to say, no, we can't act for clients on the basis that we, we um, obviously haven't got a client with, with that brief, but we'll be very clear up front on that.
0: It's a very compelling mm-hmm. case. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to. Um, give me an idea of your fee structure no problem so at all this, you know this is fabulous consultancy and what does it cost
1: no problem at all so um, we ask our clients to sign a, uh, an exclusive mandate so we would like um, we're exclusive to our clients and that we can't act, as I just mentioned we can't act for another client um, with a conflicting brief at the same time we don't believe there's any point in our clients um, employing us if they're out in the market um, Uh, if you like, competing with us, because we don't want to be in competition with them them at all. We want to be working together with them. So the mandate is an exclusive mandate. Um, We charge an initial fee of uh, £2,500 plus VAT, so um, that is uh, a total of £3,000 inclusive of VAT, and that's really is an initial fee uh, to start the process. We then charge a success fee of 2.75% of the purchase price. and many of our clients sometimes initially say well where is the incentive you know surely then you know you're incentivized to to obviously make us spend as much money as possible we don't see it like that at all on the basis that our still 80% of our business is referred to us by our old clients so it's a business that has been built on reputation and by our performance and if we um if we're seen in the marketplace to be obviously making clients overpay, um, then obviously that's going to be disastrous for our reputation. And we are providing a service whereby we are creating transparency, so the client can see what, what, what you know what they're paying com- compared to the rest of the market, because that's what we want them to understand. Um, so we don't believe that 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 argument would stand up. So I think it, it is a um, we are charging a, a success fee based on success so if we don't succeed we, we we don't get paid it's it's as simple as that and we keep on going and very often we're spending a lot of our time you know 90% of our time telling clients what not to buy which to some is probably a sort of a, a rather foreign uh, concept to understand but but you know we we don't want our clients to be buying the wrong thing and we need them really to be happy and uh, to to you know enjoy living where they're living and, and to have no regrets, so we need to make sure it's right.
0: Richard, that's great. Thank you so much My pleasure. Um, for being on Tanager Talk. We've learned a lot, and thank you.
1: My pleasure.